0: How do y'all? And a, a, a fantastic morning to just come out and worship God. Uh, another Lord's Day, and gotta say, I want to extend a, a greeting that was already extended, and say thank you for being here. Thank you for prioritizing God and and for His things and His people, and and it's a, a huge encouragement to me that that you're here. And 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 the way that we got here is probably rather similar. We we all probably rode in, in a vehicle on this kind of. Concrete structure that we've made of of this road and this blacktop, and so we we have that in common. We all we all took a road to get here, and there there's a lot of different roads and paths that we can take in life, and sometimes sometimes we can get a little tripped up on our way to our destinations, and 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 that's that's an important concept to remember as as we go into this lesson. But first, before I I, I jump into the meat of it, I just want to share a little little personal anecdote that's going to give a little framework for, for this. Uh, I Yesterday, I drove to a jiu-jitsu tournament to watch some of my friends compete in martial arts. And uh, it was in Georgetown. And I've never driven in Georgetown before, so I don't know the way that well. Um, and uh, uh, a car that was in front of me took a, a left turn. And they turned into oncoming traffic. And I just kind of blindly was like, oh, yeah, this seems right, yeah. And so I followed behind them almost to my death. So it's important to look ahead and know where we're going. And, and I I know, as I'm talking about roads and paths and destinations and all these things, that, that a lot of people are already thinking of a certain scripture maybe in Matthew 7 and 13 through 14. Matthew 7 and 13 through 14. So let's go ahead and just turn there because we'll read from there in a second to, to kind of give that bouncing off point for the rest of the lesson you know life is is full of forks in the road there's a lot of decisions we have to make of is this right is this wrong some decisions are heavier than others you know it's more than just what kind of cereal do i want in the morning it's it's a matter of of, say life and death and and there's twists wrong turns road work maintenance all kinds of different things that are along the way and and as we look behind us we can remember all these different you know roadblocks and traffic stops and turns and twists and things and and wrong directions that we made along the way and and so we, we we can look ahead too and see certain things off in the distance especially if we use God's word as our map for for where we're going so um, what, what what the most important thing is is not necessarily what's behind us but where we're headed i think we can all agree about that because we've we've already been there but but where we're headed that's that's very key and in Matthew 7 and 13 through 14 it it says that we should enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. If, if, if our bodies are our vehicles, if, if us in this human form is just us and our vehicle on our way to heaven, uh, I'm going to say Christians, uh, we ought to be... These big all terrain Rubicons, like we ought to be, you know, re- re- ready for any kind of terrain. We're, we're going to go on some, some paths that might get kind of rocky. So, um, Christians are some of the toughest people that I've met, faithful Christians. Um, we just, you know, keep, keep trucking through these things and, and always lean on God for the, the solution to the, the wrong directions we may find ourselves on, and we remain faithful. And that, 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 that means that we take a harder path than most people who are just cruising on the expressway. So we have to be prepared for that. We have to know where we're headed and know what's going to be in front of us. Our lives are not going to be just lubricated and, and made so easy for us to just just make every crisp turn and angle just the way that we would like it. And and and, and we don't have the, the the tons of pleasure to make life so just just so convenient that a lot of people have. So we we, we don't have that, but we don't want it that way. We chose a more difficult path and we chose to. To follow christ and and we've chosen to try to find the narrow gate the one that leads to life And why why would we make that decision because philippians three twenty, Our citizenship is in heaven and from it. We await a savior the lord jesus christ Now we all know the experience of a long day we could maybe we did a lot of running around maybe you know We we took we biked somewhere we we toiled and suffered and worked and we've We've gone and made our commute back and forth to wherever we went. We went to the grocery, went here, we went there, and we finally make it home. And we know that feeling of a good, hard day's work that leads us to that strong desire of, I just really want to make it home and just, just rest. And so when we hit that pillow to, to, to take that rest, it's it's almost like a little, a little slice of heaven to us. You know, that, that cold, nice pillow, yes, yes, finally, I could sleep. And and so the wisdom literature actually compares heaven to a uh, an eternal home in Ecclesiastes 12 twelve five. But before we can make it home to heaven, we're going to have to find something. I mean, we we know the destination. We know where we want to go, but we have to figure out the how that we get there. That's the way or the road to heaven. The way to eternal life. Can we find that? Can we find the roadmap to heaven together? We can. But we're not going to draw it ourselves. That's not. That's not going to be anything. We're all going to end up in different spots, and it's not going to be heaven. We're going to need the word of God, and as a result, during this lesson, I'm 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 just going to admit we're talking about a hefty subject, and I'm going to lean very heavily on the word of God, and we're going to read read a lot of scriptures because I just can't do heaven justice of my own imagination. So, first thing, a, a lot of us. You know, we hear these like new age spiritual teachers say things like heaven and hell are just this state of mind of this. Yeah, like heaven's real, but it's just this earthly peace and it's like a place on earth that you can get to if you just accept all these different spiritual concepts and that's just not true. I mean, uh Belinda Carlisle wrote that song heaven is a place on earth and I um, mean, you guys might be familiar and that song kind of rubs me the wrong way. I mean, it's 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 false teaching. It's not. <laughs> it's it's not a place on earth. Um this world isn't our home. We're just visiting. So it's important to keep in mind. There, there, there's that home and that place of comfort that's waiting for us, but heaven's not a place on earth. So there, there's no earthly description that can really do heaven complete justice. We just have to have faith that it's going to be perfect bliss. The, the human mind could not fathom such a concept as just absolute perfect bliss due to the nature of our experience. But God does give us a glimpse into what heaven's going to be like in Revelation 21 and, and we can go there now as we go to Revelation 21 and we can read about the new heaven and about what that's going to look like. What, well, what, what's the new heaven going to be like? What's our experience going to be there? Revelation chapter 21, as I said, I'm going to lean very heavily on the word of God to paint this picture of the road to heaven. So, so let's just read together starting, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates of the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates, and the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with its rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And our imaginations could never fully construct this kind of imagery The aid, the aid of the Word of God can help us have a, a picture of it, but we can 't possibly understand the, the perfect bliss that is waiting through the gates of heaven. We need to find the way to get here. that needs to be our focus, our motivation, not a, not just a fear of hell but a longing and a desire and an overpowering just just constraint that that pushes us toward heaven, that gives us mentally no other option than to just keep driving toward the goal. And we can find that motivation. It's all provided in God's Word. But I have to ask the question even if we find the truths that are in God's Word, we believe those truths and we act upon those truths, is it possible that we could still get lost on the way? Do we still need to be vigilant of, of taking wrong turns into oncoming traffic? Of course. Of course we do. We've all been lost at one point. We've all been lost on the way. The Bible answers the, the main problem of, of how we get lost, why we get lost, and it's sin. Sin is the problem that pervades mankind. You know, People sit and they scratch their heads and they say, what's, what's wrong with the world? Like I look around and I really think about it and there's just so much just evil and and just lies and deceit and greed and and all these you know these corporations are twisted and there's these you know there's murderers liars adulterers all this it's just sin it comes down to the bottom line of people are not obedient to god and that's the main problem that mankind faces sin is taken from, from an ancient term that was used in archery that actually means to fire the arrow and miss the bullseye the announcer would but if you did that and you let the arrow go and it and it didn't hit the bullseye, they would like hold up a card and say sin. Well, that's that's what we do. We, we're people. We're imperfect. So we're we're always gonna you know take a wrong turn at some point. And but but what's important is that that we 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 get back on the right path. See, sin s- sin has been a problem for all of us since the beginning. Um, Isaiah says that we all like sheep have gone astray and each of us has turned to our own way. And that's, that's a problem of, of mankind is that we think we got it all figured out. We, we, we think we know where we're going, but a lot of times we just don't. Sin, sin separates us from God, and, and, and that's the destination we're trying to get to. That's what we're trying to close the gap. We're trying to get back to God who created us. Sin, sin being that thing that's stopping us from getting to, to the picture of heaven that we just read about should be something that we detest, that sickens us, that we're ashamed by. And, and and we should we should be we should know what that looks like, so let's go to Genesis chapter three, Genesis chapter three and and we get just just the image of just basically what sin really is. I mean, it's just um just a flagrant disobedient disobedience to God. you know adam and Adam and Eve had one command they, they just were not supposed one 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 restriction they were not supposed to eat from this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter three. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? So, is it, is it that he was just a bonehead? Is it that, you know, Adam just couldn't do nothing? No, he, he, he had the choice to, to, to say, Eve, 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 put down that fruit. Remember? Remember what God said? But he didn't do that. We're, we're all like that. We, we don't have to be just ignoramuses to be caught up in sin. Sometimes we stumble. It happens to the best of us. We have to be aware of that. We can't be puffed up and think, you know, well, well i ain't sinned in eight years. You know, oh, I mean, come on, like, be realistic. We we all stumble, and and we, we we are surrounded on all sides by the sin. So we have to watch that we don't find ourselves actually on the wide and more convenient path, because that's that's the more appealing path. That's that's the path that Satan is going to say, oh, you're you're taking a wrong turn going down this uh, Christian. Road here, you need to you need to go go where everybody else is going. Just follow the flow of traffic, kind of like like that guy that turned out into the oncoming traffic. And I was like, oh, I'll just follow along with this. Seems legitimate. But that's where we can be, is we can just be kind of following the crowd. So we have to watch that that we're not doing that. Um, we have that those consequences of death um, from from just the fall that took place in the garden. In Romans chapter five and verse twelve, Romans chapter five and verse twelve says that. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Because we sin, we are subject to the same kind of woe and and death and pain that, that Adam likely felt in his life. So we have... We've we've all chosen that wrong path at least once or twice, you know, since we've been old enough to take a wrong turn, since we've you know gotten our proverbial spiritual learner's permit. So, um, the devil's going to do everything he can to urge us down that wide path. Um, he's on the earth. He's on the earth, walking and prowling. It says in First Peter five eight that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. I mean, he's He's, he's hoping that he can creep into your mind even now as you sit here in this pew and listen to this sermon, that he could just get one fingernail into your brain to just start prying you away from the road that you need to be on. Just one left turn is all that it would take to send you down the wrong direction. So you have to be very careful and vigilant. He's going to come in ways that look beautiful, comfortable, and attractive. In 2 Corinthians 11.14, 2 Corinthians 11.14, the devil himself masquerades as an angel of light the devil isn't going to be like i'm the devil hey I, I i'm trying to mislead you come on let's go down the way to death that's no the death he's going to do literally any underhand attack that he can do to deceive your mind to get you going in the wrong direction even disguising himself as an agent of god as an angel so we we really have to watch. We got to pay attention to the road signs. We got to study our map and know where we are in this sick, degenerate, and dying world that surrounds us, of sin just just blackening the hearts of men left and right, and 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 of Satan having so much influence in this world, and and even even so much so that the Bible describes him as the the God lowercase G of this world, that he has that much influence. What do we do? Is there any hope that we can be salvaged at this point? I mean, in this destitute state? Yeah. Yes, there is. And that's 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 going to come from faith. And that's going to be faith that God is going to provide us the directions and the compass that will point us to where we need to go, back to the path that we need to be on. Faith is going to be what makes us a spiritual people. Faith is, is going to be more than, than just a belief. A hollow, just yeah, yeah. Jesus, Jesus was a real guy. I mean, plenty of people believe that. But when it comes down to movement, that's what faith is. Faith is movement. It emboldens us. It it makes us brave, and it it just shines a light that that pierces through darkness. We make a a practice of using Bible terms in in Bible ways. We use that phrase a lot. So when we when we look at faith, there's Honestly, few better places to turn than Hebrews chapter 11. Please, Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible doesn't leave any doubt about what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, please. This, this is faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it, The people of old received their commendation by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible by faith. Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks by faith. Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith Sarah received herself a power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and as him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, but having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared to them a city by faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and the caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, apart from us, that they should not be made perfect. Faith is always going to be accompanied by obedience to God's word. We read of all these accounts, and it brings to mind countless scriptures of these different events, of of kings and of prophets that that moved entire nations and shook the world and changed the way that we we perceive everything, Of, of Of just these huge monumentous events that all took place because people had faith in God. Faith is going to be the fuel that drives us and moves us toward heaven. We're meant to be a people of faith. What sort of faith that is, is a living faith. A faith that is constantly growing and changing and and, and is not stagnant or frozen. You cannot sleep on your own faith. You have to keep growing on it. You can't sleep on God. You, ha- you can't be like, like the lukewarm church in Laodicea in Revelation 3. that you just, you just can't be bothered with things of faith. You're fine where you are. You're, you're, you're inactive. You can't be that. You can't be like them. You, you, have to, you have to go out of your comfort zone. You have to make sacrifices and, and changes and, and change and be obedient for God. Faith, faith should shake us and move us to more and more good works of obedience toward God. However, despite all the faith that we might have and all the good works that we may present to God, all of that, it's not going to be enough on its own right just to, just to remove the blackness that sin has done in our lives. Our faith, apart from what Jesus Christ has done, is going to be nothing. All of our good works is, is going to be nothing. It's lacking. It, it, it's lacking. But but with Christ, we can go that extra mile that takes us to heaven. Faith can move us down the narrow way, but who's going to help us get that last bit? It's going to be Jesus. Faith in one man is the only way to heaven. Jesus, the Lamb, the one who would give His life for the salvation of many. He is the way, the truth, and the life. How is it that we can triumph over sin? What is our faith moving us toward? Faith is moving us toward Jesus the Christ. And, and, and what do we obtain through Jesus the Christ? Is victory over death. John chapter 11, please. John chapter 11. John chapter 11 in the first verse. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. She said to him, yes, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister, Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the team tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen, strips and his face unwrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus raised Lazarus to demonstrate his awesome power to destroy even death. He said that it would be for the purpose of the glorification of God as are all miracles in the New Testament. And so God was gloried in the resurrection of Lazarus. John recorded this miracle so that that we could have that hope of heaven. This this helps lend us to know that that, that Jesus can raise people from the dead just, just, just from a word. And we believe that. Do we believe that? Then that should produce obedient faith in Jesus the Christ. Because if we have a faith that's like Jesus Christ, we have that, that, that potential to be resurrected. Christ, He's in heaven, eagerly waiting to intercede to us and make our case to the Father. Romans chapter 9, 24-28. Romans chapter 9, 24-28. Romans 9, 24-28. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood, not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for us. Christ is in heaven, waiting eagerly to intercede on our behalf to the Father, as I said. He's willing to make a defense. He's willing to stand in our place and make our case for us. He loves us, and he wants us to be prepared for that final judgment that's described in verse 27 of the prior passage. There's going to be a day where King Jesus returns and offers entry to those who are faithful into the kingdom, to live with him forever, to walk those streets of gold that we read about at the beginning of this lesson. Jesus is going to take his church and his bride up to heaven with him as we read in Ephesians 5, that beautiful image. He is the head that will sanctify the body through the washing away of our our sins and the blackness in our lives and redeem us. The hope of heaven and the immense glory that can be obtained through faith. That is belief that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Confession of that belief. Repentance and the desire to turn away from the sin that, that separates us from the path to heaven. And then finally, the waters of baptism. Being washed of, of every, every sin and stain by the blood of Jesus. In Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 through 5, we get a, a, just a beautiful picture of what baptism is. Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 through 5. How will we come in contact with the blood of Christ so that we can go that final stretch to make it to heaven that we could never make on our own? Is your faith the kind that would readily accept death even unto a cross for the sake of God? Would you accept God's plan? Would you carry your cross? He is Jesus Christ. Would you die with Him? He gave His life for you. He is the light at the end of the tunnel. He is the the, the final destination of our path. He He is the way to heaven. His blood. It came rushing through the darkness of the world like a torrent and purged the sin away. He gave us the way to heaven. And so I'm asking, pleading you to consider this question. Are you walking on the way to heaven? If not, we stand ready to assist you. If you have been faithful, the final words that I'll leave you with in this lesson, my brother or sister You're promised all the glory and splendor of heaven if you just keep marching on toward the goal. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Revelation 2.10 Let's let's analyze our minds now and, and consider, are we on the way to heaven? Or are we somewhere lost in the path? If you need assistance to find your way, we stand ready to assist you as we stand and sing.